Welcome to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast, episode number four. Can a short-term business loan ever make sense? Are you a small business owner looking to take your skills to the next level? Interested in getting real information about financing business equipment and business loans? Without the worry of getting scammed, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast with your host, Rob Mischeloff. Hi, everybody. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the short term and higher cost business loans that are available. And now we don't really like to recommend these, particularly not as a first choice to you when you're looking at ways to finance your business. But but there are some occasions when they can make sense. And this is particularly true if you have an opportunity that you can't take advantage of without additional capital, and you also don't qualify for any more reasonable options. And we are going to talk today with one of the more transparent lenders and and honest folks we've met in the marketplace, because that's often the biggest challenge is if you're going to get into, you know, quite frankly, not a, not most people's first choice of a product, you at least want to get all the information that you can so that you can make an intelligent decision about what does and doesn't make sense for your business. So we're going to introduce you here to Sharif Hassan of Herio Capital. And uh, here's the interview. So uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we're here today with Sharif Hassan. And Sharif is the CEO of Herio Capital. And Herio offers unsecured loans to small businesses that range from three to 24 months. And the reason why we're inviting Sharif on the show today is that they seem to have some of the more reasonable options that we've seen for business owners with decent credit profiles and, and a decent risk profile. Uh, so, Sharif, if, if you can uh, enlighten everybody, can you tell me just a little bit about who Herio Capital is? Sure, sure. I appreciate it. I, uh, I appreciate the call there. Absolutely. The uh, Serial Capital uh, online marketplace lender. We launched our public beta last year in April. Uh, since then, we have lent uh, upwards of $20 million to uh, just about 500 customers. So far, so good. In a competitive environment, there's no doubt. We, uh, we rely a lot of, on, on our own business processes. We rely a lot on the technology that's available to us. We, uh, we thought pretty early on that uh, we'd let the technology do all the heavy lifting and uh, try to create a you know, full stack for our underwriters, give them the most information they can, then put our additional, put our human insight into the deals, making sure that we try to make the best decisions. Still talk to our customers once in a while. We still talk to landlords. We do site inspections, of course, if the deals are big enough. Okay. Yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Good. We uh, yeah, yeah. I guess over the last few months, maybe the last five or six months, as our own technology has been building out, we uh, strange in our industry. We've been approached by a lot of people, either folks that are just coming into the space, uh, existing entrants who just don't have the technology that they need to kind of scale their businesses. They've been approaching us, and uh, it's funny, Rob. We're finding that we're doing a good amount of professional services now, and folks that are buying whole loans are coming to us and they're asking us to do a little bit more due diligence on the deals. We're, we're pretty, to have the rates that we have, we're pretty conservative in how we underwrite. Sure. And the idea of going through one more, yeah, and then the idea of going through 
like one more system of underwriting, kind of as a due diligence, is giving these whole loan buyers a little bit more confidence before making these transactions. Right. So if I'm hearing you right, you're, the average loan that you're doing for somebody is, is about $40,000? That's exactly right. Over this first year, it's been about $40,000, and the average term has been about nine months. Okay. With slow pays and a couple of forgiveness kind of days here and there, the uh, term is stretched to about 9.6, but we, we're hoping for a nine-month average term. Okay. And so nine nine months is the average, but uh, just to be clear, you do do some three months and you do 18 months and you do 24 months in some cases. Is that right? That's exactly right. It, uh, it's funny. We, uh, three-month deals are fun, and uh, there's a couple of reasons. Some of our starter customers, uh, smaller businesses, higher risk, are taking those deals and just kind of, you know, hoping to graduate them from a three to a six and then maybe not having to borrow it and going longer term. Okay. But uh, some, of our, some of our really high quality customers, they're super rate sensitive. They just need that money to get over a hump or they've got to pay for something up front to get a job started. And uh, those guys are taking it three or four months, sometimes paying as little as 11. Or- okay. And, and you guys, even though you do some daily payments, you also offer weekly and seasonal payments. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. And so uh, one question I I have, and it's especially recently there's been a lot in the news about the publicly traded companies that are in the working capital space, both on deck and recently there's been some, some real issues with Lending Club, at least as Wall Street sees it. So folks aren't really very positive about the working capital industry right now. I'd be curious to get your take on the what's the long-term viability of these non-bank lending products. It's a really, really good question. And uh, it's funny, just a couple of years ago, there was, there was hardly anyone talking about us and uh, in the news now and sometimes not the best news. But I think from a, from a product standpoint and, and where we're beginning to fit in the market, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've read it already, but uh, last week the Treasury came the new report, kind of the opportunities and the challenges in our industry, and uh, it's it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that that they want this industry to succeed. And uh, you know, the, the, I think the objectives that they have are how do we make it more transparent and how do we become more clear, maybe more standardized. I think uh, also to benefit from our efficiencies, the uh, the advances in technology have just been awesome the last few years and our ability to collect data and to organize it and then to run it through our algorithms. I think uh, it seems the industry is here to stay. And before something grows more or, or gets to uh, you know, that critical mass, I think that's their interest. How do we make sure that this is good and it's helping customers and it's sustainable for the lenders? And how do the brokers make good sense in the equation? I'm, I'm pretty confident that we're here to stay. Okay, good. And so these advances in technology that you're talking about, is that leading to more favorable terms to, to some borrowers? Mm, I think what it's doing, it's, uh, we're able to pretty confident stratify customers now. Okay. It, it's, it's cool to work with high-risk guys who are just starting out or just getting their thing. But uh, it's also great that you know, we have customers who are very, very high-qualified customers. And you know, people see our rates and say, oh, these people should just go to banks. And they do go to banks. They go to banks for their longer-term needs, like to buy the building, and they go to their leasing companies to lease the equipment. It's, it's the revolving line of credit piece that we're really solving for here. 
it's that day-to-day money that's not available to them right now. It's like, as the bank suggested, it seemed like the uh, revolver piece to the small businesses was the, was the product that was really missing. And that's really what we're solving for. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and so we, we just touched on how you, you don't only – and what, one of the big problems that, that we see sometimes is uh, some lenders will only offer short-term daily payment loans. And I noticed that you offer weekly payments, but – what determines whether you offer somebody a daily payment loan or a weekly payment loan, or is it the customer's choice? No, no. It, uh, sometimes customers come back and ask for a weekly, and we'll do it. But uh, it, it's mostly based on industry. If you're, a, if you're a Main Street business and you're collecting revenue each day, it, uh, it seems like the more favorable product to them is that smaller daily payment. It just becomes part of their inflow and outflow of their cash flow. Okay. The, the folks that are more qualified or, or more comfortable with the daily payments, manufacturers, maybe construction companies are only getting paid once a week. Like They all get paid Friday, so we make sure that we take out that once a week on Wednesday to make sure the accounts are flush and it doesn't have a you know, negative effect on their cash flow. Okay. And so then you also have a product that's specifically for seasonal businesses where during their high season you may take out more money but during the low season, you'll take out less? How does that work? That's exactly right. You know, imagine a customer who is eligible for uh, an, an eight-month term, for instance, that's uh, at $300 a day. Okay. Now, how about $200 a day? Now, $200 a day makes the example a little easier. And uh, if, they're, uh, if they're going into their season, the idea might be on that $200 a day for the four months that they're in season – we'll collect $300 a day. And then the four months that they're out of season, we'd collect $100 a day. Okay, so that makes sense. And, and so it's, it's a little it's easier to manage. Difficult to time. We're, a, we're, we're not very good at it yet. It's, it's a difficult time. Like we sometimes see that the season, the seasonality is a bump in the middle of the term. And it, it might be two slow months, four big months, two small months. So we're still figuring it out. We've only done a handful of them. But uh, it's funny. The, uh, there's another product, a merchant cash advance. Yes. Outside of, the, outside of their rates, I like the collection process on that. It's called a split payment. It's for folks that accept credit cards. And that variable payment, you know, if they decide to take you know, 20% of the receipts each day, that's a nice product for seasonality, too, because when they're in season, they're taking in more income. That 20% is a higher number. In their slow season, that 20% is 20% of a smaller number. So this is kind of to, to mimic that kind of product. Now, you, you mentioned that aside from the fact that you don't like their rates. Now, on the Merchant Cash Advance product, how much higher, and I, I know it's uh, just kind of an approximation, but if someone qualifies for a Merchant Cash Advance and also qualifies for a product like yours, what is the difference in rates typically? Quite a difference. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, they, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because some of the cash some of the cash advance guys are are beginning to understand or get better at risk based pricing, and uh, you know you have to remember the cash advance product was was born of the merchant processing industry, not from the lending industry. Okay. And uh, holding a certain amount of receipts and not doing much underwriting, the uh, rates were pretty high, but uh, some of them are getting much much better at it, much more. I mean, they have to. They just have to compete because you know rates are being compressed. There's no doubt, especially for the higher quality merchants. Gotcha. 
Now, you and I seem to have similar views about business loan stacking. I noticed an article on your blog about it. For, for the listeners, um, can you tell everybody what business loan stacking is and, and what your company's views are on, on that pro- practice? Sure, sure, I'd be glad to. So uh, stacking occurs when a small business takes a, a daily or a weekly payment loan and then at some point, uh, more times than not, that that total daily obligation becomes such a drag on their business, on their cash flow. I'll tell you when we're underwriting a file, the uh, the first data point or the first result that we calculate before pricing the deal is a, a maximum daily allowable payment. Okay. So uh, let's say, for instance, you know we crunch all the numbers and it comes out that this guy is eligible for a two hundred and twenty-five dollar a day payment. Uh, we would probably shave that down to maybe $200 a day. And then based on their risk, we would you know, determine the term, divide that by the interest rate, we would come up with the loan amount. The, uh, the problem with stacking is that we've gotten to that $200 a day payment to the customer, and he's managing it pretty easily. And uh, once they take that second payment, their $200 a day payment may now very well be two $200 a day payments. Gotcha. And the customer may seem cash. The customer may seem cash rich for a month or so after that, but then uh, then it's inevitable we'll get the phone call, Mr. Hazan, I can't make my payment. And we'll look at the file and say, you know, it's $200 a day, you should have no problem with it. Oh, but you don't understand, I took another deal. Mm. And uh, we, try, we try our best to figure out a way to either extend the term or do something to make sure that, because uh, we, we all want the customers to pay back. And, and, and thankfully, our, our, our rates and our, our ability to collect is such that if it extends an extra month or two, we'd rather them healthily pay down the loan than, you know, and then have it hurt their business and inevitably hurt our own. Sure. So let me tell you, though, that there, there is a certain customer that that stacking is okay with. Like uh, we see a lot of big businesses, Rob, maybe uh, you know, five or a million in revenue that through our model might qualify for $500,000. Okay. We cap at one fifty. dollars we, we cap at one fifty. dollars Sure. So if we make that 150 offer and the customer takes it, and then they go ahead and take another 100 or even 150, it doesn't even come close. The daily payment doesn't come close to their cap. So uh, there are some instances, you know, we see some larger businesses, and uh, they may be eligible for four or five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Regardless, we cap at 150 thousand. So if a customer were to borrow that from us, and then we're to take an additional hundred thousand, even 150 thousand, their daily payment far below what they, they can afford. Sure. And uh, so we're, we're pretty cool in that situation, yeah. Okay, so so that makes sense, but not not the, the flower shop that does a quarter million a year in revenue who gets stacked to where their payments are $15,000 a month. That's just guaranteed bankruptcy. <laughs> not, sus- not sustainable, that's for certain. Like, uh, not, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, are, are there any industries your company does not lend to? There are a few. We uh, we try to think that there there are good businesses in all industries. Just uh, I think from a risk and underwriting perspective, there are there are some that we just don't gauge exactly right for these shorter term deals. Okay. We uh we don't like very large ticket item businesses like uh, boat sales or auto sales come to mind. Just uh, a of car difference in sales per month has a huge swing in their business. Yeah, the amount of floor financing, the amount of floor financing they may have on their inventory, something that might affect our ability to collect. 
then there, there are some others that are restricted that uh mostly from a reputational risk perspective. So would that be like the, the adult services and the marijuana shops and so forth? And, and others, yes. Okay. Okay. Now, we touched on how your, your rates seemed sometimes, and, and let me qualify this because, you know, sometimes we, we talk to folks that are looking for working capital that have miserable credit. And from a practical standpoint, someone with miserable credit, no matter what, is going to have miserable rates. But what really impressed me was that you had some really quite reasonable terms and rates for folks with, you know, let's say five years in business and a a 680 or above credit score and, and decent cash flows. So what I wanted to do with you is talk about a loan offer. Let's just for easy numbers, we'll assume $50,000, and what could be the best terms uh, your lowest risk borrowers could see, and what would that borrower look like? Sure, sure. I I appreciate you pre-qualifying that that quality of customer, but uh, they do exist, and uh, we're lucky we uh, are partners and brokers when they send those kinds of customers to mostly send them our way, so uh, shout out to our partners. I appreciate it. Sure. So uh, we do go out as far as 24 months. To okay. get to that 24 months, though, you're probably in the, in the 90 to 95 percentile of the customers that we see. Like you said, 60 or better. I assume even closer to 700. Okay. Uh, five years plus, five years plus time in business in a, in a favorable industry, an auto mechanic or a, a large restaurant or something. Sure. Maybe a. a, a for fifty, you said the loan amount was fifty thousand. Yeah, or you could do a hundred thousand. So, uh, whatever's easier. No, 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 fifty thousand is fine. I'm just trying to think of annual revenue. They probably need to be seven fifty plus annual revenue. Okay. And uh, maybe have an average bank balance, maybe ten thousand dollars. Okay. Okay, and then and then all the other you know nine hundred and ninety two data points that we look at have to be pretty cool too, but. <laughs> yeah. uh yeah, and, and so what, what would <laughs> that, that, that loan offers look like for that for that lower risk customer? If that fellow were to uh, be eligible for a twenty five or twenty four month deal, so two year deal, okay, uh, we would imagine that fifty that fifty thousand paying about sixty five thousand back. Okay. So from a factor rate, so in our industry we use something called a factor rate uh, because of the short term nature. And from the dollar makes the math easier than converting it to an APR. Sure. And, and also APR on capital seems pretty high. But uh, in this case, that 30 cents APR is probably like a 26 or a 27 percent APR. Okay. And uh, pay us back daily, Monday, Friday. We only collect when the banks are open. So uh, we don't collect on weekends. We don't collect on federal holidays. So it's like 252 business a year. Sure. So on that two-year deal, that's 65,000 paying back. Over one cent, 104 days. Give me a sec. About 130 dollars a day. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you though, again to qualify, even our low risk customers, most of them only qualify for somewhere between 12 and 18 months. You got to be pretty serious to get that 24 month deal. Okay. So then let's let's talk about you, kind of your middle of the road customer, not not your best customer, but not your 550 credit <clears throat> customer. What what's a typical loan offer for for that person look like? Okay, so uh, medium risk, like a six fifty, three years time in business kind of guy. Yeah, that, that that sounds reasonable. Okay, sure, sure. 
that's usually where our, our, our medium risk customers are. So uh, I would imagine a rate of like a 1.27, so 27%. Okay. So 50,000 at a 127 over nine, that pays back 63,500. Okay. Daily payment is about $335. Okay. So there is a, there is a, a noticeable difference in the rate and terms between say a 650 and a 700 score in, you know, because there is a higher, higher risk level. Right. So if, if you notice, though, the uh, 27 compared to 30, but it's the term that is really bumping up that daily payment difference. Sure. Because it's only over nine months as opposed to over 24 months. But the rate is a little bit less, 27 cents. Okay. And what about your, you know, your high risk your customer that um, really can't get approved many places? I assume that they have get a horrible offer if they get one at all. Is that correct? No, 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 not 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 a horrible offer. But we don't do many of them. But uh, I think even on our higher risk product, we're uh, reasonably priced. Two things though, we uh, we don't do fifty thousand for our high risk customers. They okay. cap at thirty five thousand. Okay. And uh, the second is we also we cap them at seven months. I just want to create a build a little bit of history with them before we extend the longer term. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, l- l- let me ask you the major criteria that moves borrowers from like the, the low risk category into the medium or the high risk category. Uh, and you mentioned 900 different data points, but I, I'd assume the major ones are our time in business and credit score. Yeah, that's, that's really smart. The, uh, for a couple of years now, you hear people talking beyond personal credit score, and that doesn't say everything, and there's other ways to measure. And, and for sure, we are, we are so lucky. We have an abundance of data available to us. But uh, personal credit score tells you a lot about character. Sure. And uh, we, we find that the, uh, you know, it's inevitable. The, the, the better your credit score, the better payer you are. It's just your habits. Right. And um, so we do look at personal credit score. We also look at business credit score. Like there are some folks who, for some reason or another, it might have been a, it might have been many reasons, something medical or a, the, the bank changing the amount of the line of credit to the customer. So his utilization went up more than it should have. And that affected their credit. And we try to look a little bit deeper than just the score. Okay. But uh, so we also look at business. We also look at business credit. If you're, uh, if you're paying your bills on time and it's funny, it's such a big proxy for us, you know, before we run credit and before we do anything, you could look at a couple of bank statements. And if people are flush in the bank, chances are she's paying all of her bills and she probably has pretty good credit. And to find that there was a ding or something not so great about her credit, look at the business credit and there might be some redeeming properties there. And then we look at the bank accounts and always flush and never, never bouncing a check and always with a good cushion there. And there are lots of things, you know, obviously time in business is good. We, uh, if our average deal is nine months and we see someone who's in business for five or six years, it's probably a pretty good chance they're going to be in business nine months more. Sure. Industry is important to us. We, uh, we like small ticket businesses, it's just the most reliable. And there, there wouldn't be a material adverse effect if they were to lose a customer or two. And that makes it easy for us. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, we also look at geography. We, uh, we only have like one macroeconomic indicator that we use in our model but uh, it's kind of a measure of population density and employment and median housing rate in that area. And uh, we find it, we don't score it very high, but we find that it's helpful. Like 
a lot of times we'll find a customer that uh, is just between high and medium risk or between different layers inside of medium risk. And it could affect your pricing. It could affect your pricing by two or three percent. It could affect the amount of the loan by four or five thousand. Okay. So that's when we look into some of all, that's when we look into some of the qualitative stuff. You know, Sky is on Main Street and there are four traffic lights and there's a gas station and there's no reason why this guy shouldn't have a ton of customers. We, um, you know, we bump those. We look at those favorably. Okay. And so, where do you where do you find your customers? Are you are you getting them from brokers or your own direct marketing efforts? <clears throat> where does most of your business come from? So the. Uh, the biggest competitive aspect in our industry right now, you know, this, uh, where are the customers coming from and what's the underlying cost per acquisition? It's funny. We, we knew that it was going to take some time to build this. And while we were doing it, we wanted a good flow of traffic so we could build out our business processes and build out our software and build our technology. And, uh, you know, the uh, brokerage channels, least, you know, the, the, path of least resistance sure yeah we to control the mess we don't get to control the message as well and because you know the brokers that make sense if when they're first talking to a customer they don't know which lender is going to approve them so they pitch as generalists and to do that uh, doesn't always help the, the first lender that approves the deal because they, they've got to talk about the positive qualities of all the different loan products they're selling because they just don't know who's going to approve it yet sure and uh, so the message gets a little bit diluted our, uh, you know, I'll tell you something funny. I have a buddy. We, we have so most of our business comes through brokerage. Okay. A friend, of, a friend of mine we were at a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking, and he's one of our partners. And uh, he says, Shreve, we all know you built a bank for your friends so you could go out and build technology. And uh, kind of, that's only a little bit true. Yeah. So we have a good, like a handful of brokers. And they've been brokers, like they've been partners of ours, of mine for years from past jobs. Okay. And uh, so we see amount of, we see the the adequate amount of flow coming mostly from those guys. We uh, we realize as we need to scale, we uh, we probably need to add some different revenue channels or different distribution channels. And thinking about some more strategic options and folks who currently work with small businesses who either need a product like ours to finance the offerings that they have, or maybe as a as a tool that so that their customers stay with them. Sure. And uh, in, in those instances, it's nice because we can piggyback a little bit off of their marketing and they're more interested in keeping their customers happy than this being a, a sole revenue generator. So they're not so high on the fees and they like when we close the deals so we get to control the message. And so there's, there's some really nice aspects and some nice advantages we're seeing to building out some of those strategic relationships. Right. And, and when you let, let me ask you, when you say control the message, what do you mean by that? It, uh, do you feel that sometimes people are coming to you from a broker that may have been misled, or is it something more benign than that? I, I think more benign. Like I was saying, as as a generalist, they don't know if they're talking to a, a, a 620 or a 720 in the beginning, so they may have to talk a little bit about a more expensive product or maybe a cash-advanced product, so they talk about how much they're doing in merchant processing, just to be able to cover all their bases. And all of a sudden, they run the guy through, and he's a 720, and they're like, oh, my God, this is a Herio deal. They send it to us, and the customer says, oh, but they said it was going to be a variable payment based on my merchant processing amount. Gotcha. And it's like, no, you know, this is, a, this is a fixed product. And so I think it's more benign. Okay. And is it more expensive for a borrower to access your funds through a broker than if they came to you directly? It isn't. You know, 
as a lender, we have uh, other, you know, top line expenses, but that for acquisition expense, yeah. it's the same for them as it is for us. It's just as hard to find a customer for us as it is for them. Okay, so that that's one of the things that we really like is that it you don't so a broker doesn't have to mark up someone's rate by ten points or whatever or six points just so that he can get paid. So a, a person can get good advice and come to you without having to worry that it's coming at their expense so that the broker can make an outrageous amount of commission. That's that's exactly right. When I was telling you when I, oh. I guess this is when we were warming up. I apologize. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're pretty good at pricing our deals. And uh, sometimes it's based on just credit quality. And sometimes when we're running credit, we'll see that there are inquiries from other lenders. So we might know who we're competing against. So uh, in addition to the available offers we have with our brokers, we'll give them a suggested offer. That's uh, really a price-to-win offer. Okay. And uh, we always make sure, you know, our brokers are spending a lot of money finding customers, and uh, we make sure that they get paid pretty well. Wonderful. So that's great because it means that you fall right into the wheelhouse of the folks that Smarter Finance USA likes to work with when possible because uh, the, the hardest thing is ethically when you have to get somebody into a, a daily product is you got to get paid, but at the same time, you don't want to stick it to somebody. And we particularly like working with folks that everybody can be on the same side of the table. Yeah, we're pretty aligned with our partners. And most of all, as long as our partners and ourselves, of course, are aligned with our customers, I think we're doing okay. And uh, we've seen maybe eighteen or 19,000 applications already. And uh, we, we understand how much money customers are making and how much they can afford and what the right size loan is and over the right size term. And if we're doing right by our customers, our, our, our partners dig it. It seems like we're doing okay. Great, great. Lastly, how, how can listeners contact you if, if they're either a broker that's interested in, in, in working with you or a, a borrower who's interested in either working with you or finding a broker that works with you that can provide them with a lot of different options? Sure, sure. So, uh Directly, of course, our, our website. You've got to plug the website, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, www.heriocapital.com. Herio is H-E-R-I-O. So heriocapital.com. Our, uh, our telephone number, 844-GO-HERIO. Wonderful. 844-GO-HERIO. Yeah, I appreciate it. And partners who'd like to work with us, Partners at HerioCapital.com. We uh, thank God we are we are lucky and we're pretty satisfied with the amount of partners we have right now, especially as we're we're continuing our technology build. But uh, if there are great guys out there, we'd love to meet you and love to work with you guys. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks thanks for joining. Appreciate you coming on the call, and I hope uh, business is great for you this year. I appreciate it. We wish you the best too, Rob. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sharif. All right. Bye now. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Smarter Business Finance Podcast with your host, Rob Micheloff, online at SmarterFinanceUSA.com, Twitter at SmarterFinanceU, and on Facebook.com slash SmarterFinanceUSA. We'll catch you next time.